not even up and they're being forced on. There is something going on with black entrepreneurs and America's shopping malls. Black business owners across the country are seeing a pattern of being kicked out of their rented spaces. In the prime of the holiday shopping season, South Point Mall in Virginia gave business owner Italia Talley a lease termination without prior warning on Christmas Eve. That is just wicked. Christmas Eve. reported that it was because of a Santa Claus display in her store that showed a playful image of Santa being tied up by models, playing off the idea of naughty and nice, Tally said to the shade room, that she was told the images should not be displayed. He said, uh, you can't tie Santa up. You can't tie Santa up with a rope. Santa is not even real. So you're upset that a fake character, she was just being playful with a fake character. You know, sometimes these folks are just looking for any reason, and they know that's a stupid reason. They wouldn't do that to their own if they saw the same thing on display. Tally said her business was doing good for eight straight months. However, because she was given less than a week to vacate the premises, she had to throw out many of her things. Her termination notice obtained by one outlet did not state why she was being evicted. You know what? I wish she would have lawyered up. And instead of throwing her products out, you know, you should get a lawyer, especially if this is all out of the blue. It seems to be a pattern of attempting to remove black businesses from shopping malls as soon as they're deemed successful. In 2021, news spread of a barbershop in Charlotte, North Carolina, opening a space in an affluent South Park Mall. A few weeks later, WCNC reported that the mall management told owners Damon and Jermaine Johnson that their temporary lease would be terminated early. The mall said it was because they were in talks with a permanent tenant. After the news made the rounds on social media, reports came in that the business would be staying. Uh-huh. Okay, so they were afraid they might lose business and how bad this looks. Up the road and gone. Another business owner experienced a similar thing. Last year, a popular sneaker and specialty clothing store Sir Castle Tees was forced to close after after the mall served him eviction papers without warning. Just kicking niggas out. So he earned over a million dollars in sales. So what? In a six month period. So he was doing well. This kind of, you know, in my opinion, this looks like a case of jealousy. 
every one of these businesses that I'm telling you about were in malls and they were doing exceptionally well, owned by black business owners. All right, all of them doing exceptionally well. Somebody that made a million dollars in a six month period can pay the lease. So owner Michael Phillips felt he was targeted for being good at what he does and a shooting that caused a lot of chaos. We are definitely the hot commodity because we do everything that everybody wants on the internet, Phillips told ABC 11. The source reported that the shooting happened somewhere near Phillips store. You know, he wasn't responsible for no shooting. Yeah, it might have happened near his store, but that doesn't make him responsible for it. As for Tally, since news of her lease termination broke, the mall management has asked her to come back to know. South Point. However, she's, she's not sure if she wants to make the commitment again. Wait a minute. You went through the trouble of asking this woman that you see in the picture to leave. You, the mall broke the lease. She didn't break the lease and her lease was not up, but they wanted her gone. Now they want her to come back. You know what it is? It hits the news and they look bad in the whole process. But, you know, I never knew this was going on until I saw this story. I had no idea that all of these black business owners were being forced out of these malls and no explanation given and each one of them were doing exceptionally well that says a lot this sounds like just jealousy crap that's all you know we have been subjected to sabotage this entire time and this just looks like another case okay they're doing well you know, they don't want us to do well in the Gentile kingdom. So when one of us are doing well, then, you know, you know what happens. They have to come along and sabotage everything up because they're mad that you are still making it despite all of the roadblocks that are thrown in our faces. And they hate seeing that. And I'm sure these folks, their stores probably looked really nice up in these malls as well. No, they don't want to see all of that. But I'm glad some of them have come out on social media and mainstream news to report what's happening all over this country. You know, there were a few um, Black-owned businesses in the mall that was around me, but that mall has been gone a long time ago. You know, and I did um, shop a couple of their stores the last time I was up there. So I know these business owners are there. It may not be as many as we see, you know, as far as other people are concerned, but they are there in many cases. So, you know, I wish them the best. I hope they can, if they don't go back to the same malls, the ones that have been kicked out, I hope they can maybe open up their own storefront, you know, to keep their business going or bring the business onto the internet and let everybody know. 
You know, I know a lot of us are looking to shop black. But y'all, please tell me what you think about the story. Please leave your comment and subscribe. Don't forget to hit on the notification bell, and I'll see you on the next video. Peace, family.
Quentin Lucas office. If the full council approves, the mayor will appoint 13 people to form the commission. Well, good for them. Good for them. Oh, sorry for the interruption, y'all. Okay. So the commission will put together, um, they're saying uh, they're going to try to put everything together within a 90-day period. And follow that group is going to be groups of residents and commissioners that will have six months to identify and, you know, specifically have things in there that they want. They got six months to put the whole thing together. And there is no reason for anybody involved in a reparations commission to fail to put some kind of package together. You know, and, and this is why I keep dragging Washington, D.C. on that H.R. 40. They had ample time to put a solid package together, and they have dropped the ball so bad it's not even funny. You know, so when you see all of these states cropping up with their own commission and trying to find a way to do reparations, then they're going to come out of the blue after we haven't heard from them in, what, two years to say something now? You know, I, no, I don't have no respect for that. You might as well be quiet at this point. So this commission will put together a package going over the disenfranchisement of African-Americans, especially descendants of slaves, and what that repair will look like, according to Robinson. Even though the majority of the legal committee voted yes, Councilwoman Heather Hall was against the proposal. Over the phone, the councilwoman told Fox 4 that the city can't afford this. Hall went on to say that other cities have tried paying reparations and failed. Okay, let's say what you're saying is true. They tried and failed. So you just throw in the towel and you never try again? See, I don't agree with that kind of attitude. And if this woman feels this way, she should never be part of a committee. Okay. You know, you tried and failed, so, okay, so we should never revisit reparations again because, you know, nah, that, that's a, a lousy attitude, and that's a person that don't need to be on the council. So what? You keep trying. You try again. Whatever you failed in the first attempt, then you try to fix that in the next attempt, but you don't throw in the towel. So I don't agree with this person, this Heather Hall. So anyway... However, those who are pushing for the proposal remain hopeful. I'm excited about justice. Janae Relifer with the Kansas City Reparations Coalition said, I'm excited about the right thing happening. We always worry until the final vote. And so we'll continue to have conversations with our colleagues, Robinson said. But by and large, this council stood up 
as it relates to addressing racial inequities. Oh, good. I mean, it must be addressed. It is no more, we're not paying this, we're not paying that. Well, try again, because this issue is never going away. It's never going away. And you taking that position, that explains why everything in America is effed up. Because that's your approach to many things. I'm not doing this and I'm not doing that. Yeah, that's why everything is jacked up in this country now. That's why it should be. So, ladies and gentlemen, you know, this is a long time coming. You know, I was looking and it was saying uh, Kansas City residents of the urban league said that they wanted reparations in cash payments, land, tax relief, scholarships, and community development funds. And this was like back in 2020 when they first tried to approach city council with it. So you know, it didn't get much traction then, but look like things are finally moving ahead. And I hope just like all of the other states that are getting in on forming commissions to see if reparations can be done. And I don't see why it can't. And I am really looking forward to hearing what kind of reparation packages that each one of these locations come up with. I really do want to know. And I, I do intend on keeping track of these stories to see what the outcome is and, you know, as well as what kind of things they're going to put in these reparation packages. But y'all, please tell me what you think about Kansas, Kansas City finally getting in on reparations and I, I just pray that we see more, especially in the South. The South seems to be the biggest holdout in this whole thing, and they really should be in the forefront. Please leave your comments and subscribe. Don't forget to hit on the notification bell, and I'll see you on the next one. Yeah, no problem doing it for Japanese and Native Americans, the Eskimos. They want to study our shit. I'm almost at the point. Burn this motherfucker down. The yeah, they did it for the Asians, the Japanese. Well, no, they got a hate crime bill. In oh. 88, the Japanese got reparations because they got put in a, a, an internment camp for four small-ass years, and we've been, we've just been decimated for the past 400-plus years. Yeah.
and then they only came with jobs out here and there really shouldn't be no fly but yeah. unfortunately, yeah, torture, place, torture, you know, they prefer parents turn away as being the main teacher of America. That's why everybody is walking around being taught by cats. So the teacher and cousin of Black Lives Matter founder tased to death by LAPD. Yo, daddy. I said it. And from what I understand, it was a traffic accident instead of them showing up on the scene and helping this young man out whose name is Keenan Anderson, 31 years old. They killed him instead, but that sounds like American police work to me. So our cousin of Black Lives Matter co-founder Patrice Collars was killed by LAPD after he got in a traffic accident and officers who showed up repeatedly tased him and restrained him in the middle of the street he did that to somebody that was in a car accident we want to tell him stop calling like that and shit. that's not the right time according to body cam footage and his family's account wow so what happened so the footage was from January 3rd. It was an encounter that was released on Wednesday that showed Keenan Anderson, a 31-year-old high school teacher and father, was begging for help as multiple officers held him down and at one point said, they're trying to George Floyd me. One officer had his elbow on Anderson's neck. While he was lying down before another tased him for roughly 30 seconds. You know, down when you ain't supposed to tase nobody for 30 seconds. I'm the last. You don't have to start killing these motherfuckers. It's just amazing how these they folks really walk around and believe they deserve respect from everybody. The white people they really believe this. this. I really don't. That's a kind so, of the inkling to go. But then I thought about it. So like, he uh, takes him for 30 seconds straight. And then takes him again five more yeah. seconds. But like she said, I just seen Jayla here. So and his cousin was asking for help <laughs> and he didn't receive help. Instead, they sure. showed up on the scene yeah, and murdered him. That's what they did. According to the footage, nobody deserves to die in fear, panicking, and scared for their life. Isn't that what happened to uh, Ronald Green? He was in an accident, and they lied and tried to say the accident is what killed him, and they were tasing him. And the way they were tasing him is what took him out, on top of beating him and dragging him. Uh, uh, uh. He spent the last 10 years witnessing a movement challenging the killing of black people. He knew what was at stake. He was trying to protect himself. Nobody was willing to protect him. An officer who first arrived to the car collision around 3.30 p.m. 
Venice and Lincoln Boulevard found Anderson in the middle of the road saying, please help me. The officer told him to go back on the sidewalk and issue commands saying, get your hands against the wall. I mean, so what is it going to come to? You get in an accident and you don't even want to bother with the police because you may end up dead? I mean, this is unbelievable. Wow. He could have been scared. He was scared. So, so Anderson held his hands up responding, I didn't mean to. I'm sorry. Anderson complied with the officer's command and sat down on the sidewalk. After a few minutes, he appeared to be concerned with the officer's behavior. I want people to see me as you're putting a thing on me. Eventually, Anderson started to flee, at which point the officer chased him on his motorcycle, shouting, get down on the ground now and turn over your turn over on your stomach anderson repeatedly responded please help me they're trying to kill me as multiple officers arrived and held him down one of them placed his elbow and body weight on anderson's neck while he was lying with his back on the ground at this point the officer standing above him shouted, turn over or I'm going to tase you. If somebody's hand is pressing down on your neck, how are they going to turn over? You know, in my opinion, when a cop yells out unreasonable things that they clearly know you can't do, they should get arrested. Just my opinion. So anyway, during the tasing, Anderson repeatedly said, help me, as the officer told him to stop resisting. Well, that's the thing is, apparently we're the only ones that resist out here. Nobody else in different groups do that. Paramedics later arrived at the scene and took him to the hospital, according to LAPD. He went into cardiac arrest four and a half hours later and died. That was due to the tasing. Tasing somebody for 30 seconds? You know damn well you weren't trained to do that. Colors and other advocates have questioned why it was necessary for armed police to show up to a collision. It was a traffic accident. Instead of treating him like a potential criminal, police should have called an ambulance, Colors said. Well, you're in America, Patrice Colors. You should know. You're in America, and this is how we are treated by police. No, he would have got help if that was a white dude instead. He would have got plenty of help that But he tried to help with whatever situation has happened. That would have prevented my cousin's death. And that would have prevented so many other deaths.
not a problem for them to show up on the scene at, you know, to me with a weapon, they are the police. They're going to have weapons. All right. The, the police forces that you see in America are going to have weapons. So my thing is when you know and you're fully aware that it is a traffic accident, that cop should be there to see whether or not the people involved in the accident need help. And it should be, the, the approach should not have been any other way. Right. You know what was going on because if the cops were called because of a traffic accident, that's how you should be walking up to see if anybody involved in the accident needs help. So if you did anything less than that, you didn't do your job. So colors continue to say these type of killings and this type of force will not be interrupted unless we have courageous elected officials come forward and challenge not just the police, but also the policy, which they will absolutely not do. This is a game to these They don't even want, no, they're, they're not going to do this. They don't even want to give up qualified immunity. They're not going to do anything in the best interest of the black community. Politicians are not there in Washington to do that. We should all know that by now. And this may sound all fine and good, Patrice Colors, but you really sound naive in how you're speaking. You're sitting there talking about police being unarmed. They're never going to unarm any cop in this country. And then you're talking about politicians being courageous. There is nothing courageous about those demons all sitting up there in Washington and not doing the job that the people need done. So if you can't advocate or try to get a hold of politicians, what do you expect the regular public to do? I would think somebody like you would be in a better position to interact with politicians like that. I'm just saying. So the national data has showed that roughly 10% of killings by police each year start with a traffic encounter. And that one in three people killed were fleeing before lethal force was used. Yeah, because they're scared. They know what the cops do in America. The cops do not help you. They'll kill you before they help you. Last year, the deadliest year for police violence since experts started tracking killings, uh, the killings in um, 2013, according to a recent analysis, LAPD has also fatally shot two people so far this year. And in 2020, they killed Daniel Hernandez after he was in a car accident. So they try to take you out when you're in a vulnerable state. That's what it seems like to me. They take advantage. They know you're not in a good situation and they make a target out of you instead of helping you. While some law enforcement officials in reform proponents have argued that tasers are less lethal 
and an important tool to reduce police violence, experts and racial justice advocates have increasingly raised concerns about the mass deployment of stun guns. There is a growing uh, amount of evidence that potentially fatal consequences of taser use with a Reuters investigation, finding that more than a thousand cases between 2000 and 2018, where people died after they were tased. So y'all, I, I am really sorry this happened to our cousin. I hope this will make Patrice colors more inclined to help families of victims financially and not sit on all the money yourself when it is needed out here, you know, but nevertheless, this young man sure did not deserve to be taken out the way that he was, Kenan Anderson. It's a disgrace. What they did was not policing at all. You know, I mean, just picture yourself getting in a car accident and then you got some crazy behind cops show up on the scene treating you like a criminal instead of somebody that's been in a car accident. But y'all, you know, nothing is going to change as long as leadership don't change in this country. As long as the same people are leading, you can't expect nothing better than what we're looking at. This is the best they can do. They're not going to rise any higher than what we have seen. Please leave your comment and subscribe. Don't forget to hit on the notification bell, and I'll see you on the next video. Peace, family. Ladies and gentlemen, Damar Hamlin is completely out of the hospital, and this is a picture of him visiting his teammates and this was just yesterday so he looks really good you know they said he was in very good spirits so damar hamlin reunites with buffalo buffalo bills teammates ahead of first playoff game good for him he looks good i mean considering everything he has gone through he looks great Lamar Hamlin visited his teammates for the first time since suffering cardiac arrest. And, uh, you know, this was uh, week 17. And the game was against, many of you remember the Bengals. So the linebacker, Matthew Milano, posted a photo to his Instagram stories on Saturday of Hamlin at the team facility dapping it up with teammates with a large grin. I'm sure he is very happy. 
you know. So the Bills hosted the Miami Dolphins on Sunday in a wild card roundup match of the NFL playoffs in the Bills regular season finale and their first game since Hamlin's collapse. So, ladies and gentlemen, you know, he was transferred back to Buffalo, but looked like he only stayed in the hospital for about a day, and that was it. He's been released. So, it was Buffalo's first kickoff return. I don't think they're going to let him play. In three months. And Hamlin, his number is three. Interesting. All right, so in the aftermath of his traumatic injury, his teammates expressed their solidarity with the 24-year-old. You hurt for your brother. There's a shared grief. This is what the quarterback, Josh Allen, said the week after the incident. But to know DeMar is doing okay, we heard that the, you know, the news, the morning, and that there was something else that could bring our day down. We are happy for him and we can't wait to love him the next chance we get to see him. So, you know, I guess now he's got to worry about his recovery. So he was released from the Buffalo General Medical Center on Wednesday. So it's been nine days since his collapse on the field in Cincinnati. So they said he's going to continue his recovery at home. He was previously receiving treatment at the University of Cincinnati Medical Center. And then he was transferred to Buffalo on January 9th. So, uh, uh, uh. Boy, I still remember what happened that night. I mean, he's come a long way in a very short time, you know, and I think his age probably have a lot to do with it. So um, a week ago, a former Pitt standout expressed his gratitude for all of his supporters on social media. The love has been overwhelming, and I am thankful for every single person that prayed for me and reached out, he said. He brung the world back together behind this. If you know me, you know this only going to make me stronger. On the long road, keep praying for me. So this is what Damar said. And I will, you know, it was the grace of the Most High that kept him here because they had to resuscitate him twice. They said once on the field and then another time after he went up to um, the University of Cincinnati Medical Center, they had to revive him again. So, you know, I mean, that, that was a serious thing that he went through on that field. And I'm not sure if many people could have walked away from it, you know. Now he looked like he's back, but, you know, I'm sure... Over the coming weeks, we'll hear more about him, you know, especially as time goes on. Hopefully, we'll get some more good news on his recovery. I sure hope so. But y'all, please tell me what you think about this video. Please leave your comment and subscribe.
Don't forget to hit on the notification bell, and I'll see you on the next video. Peace, family. Survival on YouTube, bringing you the news that you need to know. Diplomats inside of Russia are saying that a collective response from Ukraine together with NATO and Western allies will bring about a larger war. Ukrainian invasion of Belarus, they say, or Russia, is going to trigger a new response from the Russian Federation. News broke in the past 24 hours of a new direction that this war in Europe may take after a senior Russian diplomat told reporting agencies that the use of force by Kiev against Russia or Belarus or a Ukrainian invasion of either of these two union countries, as they call it, would be enough to trigger a large, possibly a nuclear response. In other words, from a legal perspective, this is a quote, any use of force by the Kyiv regime, as they call it in the quote, or a Ukrainian military invasion of either Belarus or Russia would be enough to trigger a collective response. However, it would be up to the two countries, he says, polit uh, political and military leadership to decide whether uh, or not they will respond and in which manner they will respond. The advisability of the use of union forces and the adequacy of a joint response, he says, to the threats posed a specific situation, and that the understanding would be key. Our countries supply weapons and components for the production of military hardware to each other, he says, cooperate in border protection issues and enhance the combat capabilities of the common Russian-Belarusian air defense system. The president of Belarus has repeatedly warned that the country will retaliate in the event of a perceived or a full Ukrainian attack on Belarus or any other provocation against the state. Pipeline operator Amber Grid told reporters that the explosion that occurred at a gas pipeline that connects Lithuania to Latvia does not qualify as an attack. We've watched a lot of on-the-ground social media reports from local residents in that country and in the area who have said that it sounded like jets were coming from one side of the compass to the other, and then the explosion took place. However, we do note that the sound of a gas being released from an explosion inside of a pipeline could be, uh, you know, that sounding like a train or sounding like a jet sound that was being reported. But we have to remember that Latvia, Lithuania, Amber Grid does not want to give any inclination that a Russian sabotage attack took place across its borders. That would be a sign of weakness, saying that without a doubt, Russia was able to reach deep inside of that country and sabotage the gas pipeline. So what really happened there, we likely won't know or won't know for some time. U.S. and Japan say together that any use of a nuclear weapon by Russia in Ukraine will be an act that is considered one of hostility against humanity. They say it is not justifiable in any way and it will bring about a nuclear attack from the United States. The USA went on to say that attacks in space would invoke a defense treaty set up with Japan. They announced the deployment of more agile marine units on Japan's soil as alarms grow over what uh, China is going to do and when they will take Taiwan. 
Biden and Japan's PM met, and they said that the U.S. and Japan will build what they call resilient supply chains among like-minded country partners to guard against economic coercion and non-market policies that are being uh, seen as the major pivots in the China and international relations. The joint U.S.-Japanese statement allowed Biden to affirm Washington's commitment to defend Japan by all means, including nuclear means. This is being seen as a nanny state at the worst. Storm asked here on the channel the last couple of days what was going on with the natural gas ban. Hadn't heard anything about it previously, and we had a lot of people chime in and give their opinions on exactly the direction that things were taking. That's what opponents of this natural gas ban being implemented across the USA are calling a new government initiative, nanny state at its worst. They say that this uh, initiative is to reduce the use of natural gas and propane while simultaneously increasing the dependency that the average citizen will have on the current electrical grid. Why are they doing this to us? One person wrote into a reporting outlet, they want us to not have anything to control our own lives with. They want us to need them for electricity to charge our cars because needing them for electricity to keep our lights on wasn't enough. And now they want us to rely 100% on a grid that we know is not foolproof and actually is a point of yearly disaster. They want us to do this to keep ourselves warm and to cook our food. Now that woman's sentiment was shared by lots of other users as they wrote in similar measures of discontent toward this style of monopolization over uh, and overreach. This kind of intrusion into the homes of Americans by the federal government as a way of forcing a rush to green liberal policy is the nanny state at its worst. Lawmakers have written in to the administration and against this initiative. Banning natural gas is not about public safety. It's an example of government control. Like other policies we have seen from the administration to tell Americans what kinds of cars they can drive, how they, how they can heat their homes, and how to live their lives. Remember that is not this channel saying that. We are merely reporting the back and forth that is happening with you in the middle. The game of politics right now is literally strings tied onto your left side and strings tied onto your right. They're pulling apart. And you're going to have to make a decision. Do you either pull yourself with them toward the right or do you pull yourself with them toward the left? That's what they want, divide and conquer. This all comes back to a report showing that the New York governor announced a plan following those in other states that would begin banning gas heating inside the construction of new buildings as part of a New York housing compact. A proposal the that includes that the banning work? of gas stoves, gas water heaters, and oil furnaces in all new home and commercial instruction. Roughly 35% of the homes in the United States use gas stoves. It's a great way for individuals to remain independent of monopolization. It's a way for them to have backups. You see, you can't store electricity, but you can store gas. If you have a propane stove, a natural gas stove, you can set up the storage of those things. And so if the grid goes down or if you have a larger problem, you will still have ways to heat your home. And that's not what they want. What they want is for you to rely on them at the moment, every moment. So with 35% of homes in the USA, 
using natural gas, the Energy Information Agency estimates that more than 40 million Americans use appliances of this such. Uh, you bet that the people behind the bills, uh, this is a little bit of my uh, note here, I'm sure that the politicians pushing for this are owning stocks in electrical companies. Morgan Stanley's Mike Wilson says that we are bracing for a more than 20% drop in the stock market. The bottom is not seen yet. The Bank of America CFO says that I see consumer credit card delinquencies higher. Credit card balances reaching a record amount of $866 billion in the third quarter of last year. That represents a year-over-year -year increase of 19%. You see, they think that just because people still buy their food, still buy new clothes for their kids, or still buy shoes when the other ones get a hole in them, that Americans are just flushed with cash. What they're not doing is purposefully not putting these two and two together to see that Americans are buying these things on credit card uh, credit card balances using debt that the Federal Reserve is going to make sure you're unemployed and can't pay back. For anyone who thinks that this isn't a crime against humanity, I don't know what would change their mind. Bank of America's CEO, not the CFO who was just talking, but the CEO said that loan demand has slowed as a result of the coming global recession and a concern among citizens that they do not want to get into debt, but they won't have a job to pay back. So we see a little bit of them acknowledging exactly you know, the reality of what we face, but they're gonna be in a position to make money either way. Strategists say that one after another, the USA and other countries have sent weapons toward Ukraine to fight against Russia. That at one point in time, they said they would not send. They said at one point that these weapons were too provocative and it would start a larger conflict. And yet we see tanks next and the eventual display of the full U.S. military through the hands of Europe in its fight against Russia before everything is said and done. Reports around the world show that Switzerland is in the process of deploying uh, and has deployed up to 5,000 military personnel to protect uh, Schwab's World Economic in Davos. Now, you remember we saw a leaked report showing exactly who was going to be attending that. Banking CEOs, political leaders, the FBI, and other organizations. They are setting up the policies for how your life will be run in the next three to five years. The U.S. military has said that it remains fully committed to the defense of South Korea with extended deterrence, according to the Pentagon. A spokesperson for the Pentagon has reiterated the willingness of the U.S. military to stand between South Korea, between China, and be uh, between North Korea, saying that the United States remains steady and remains capable to deter and counter any aggression from China or uh, North Korea against South Korea. It says that its extended deterrence umbrella has been emphasized with uh, 28,500 U.S. troops on the Korean Peninsula, as well as other delegates and groups. The extended deterrence model of the U.S. military, they say, provides South Korea and other allies in the region with the full range of U.S. nuclear capabilities. Now, this goes against what the U.S. had been saying for the last couple of weeks or months. They have really not touched on using nukes, but we're starting to see that become an open threat. It's important to remember, the U.S. said, 
that the Republic of Korea falls under the extended deterrence, of, uh, deterrence umbrella. Now, who do you think that they are saying is important to remember? They're telling that to Russia, they're telling that to China, and they're telling that to North Korea. They're also warning any countries that try to buddy up with China and with North Korea in their fight, the coming fight, against America for Taiwan and for control over the South China Sea. The U.S. continued that, and so, in addition to the U.S. forces that are assigned there on the peninsula, our allies in the region, to include South Korea, are part of that nuclear deterrence umbrella. There's a warning going out right now that a possible Chinese base in Argentina's Tierra del Fuego will allow Beijing to have a permanent station in the southern hemisphere. This, according to strategists, will allow China to intercept regional communications and show a complete, uh, complete economic and strategic impact against the United States. Information that was published by U.S. Southern Command shows that China is moving to build a naval base in Tierra del Fuego, the southern tip of Argentina, which will open the door to Antarctica for all of China. The base will give China control over the passage of goods between the Pacific and Atlantic Oceans. This will allow China and Asian countries to monitor communications through the Southern Hemisphere. Albert Roja, the Director of International Affairs Observatory at Chile's uh, Tierra University, warns on exactly what this means. A possible Chinese base, Alberto says, in this area would allow Beijing to have a permanent enclave in the Southern Hemisphere with projection toward the South Atlantic. Depending on the conditions negotiated with Argentina, this will allow for the construction of facilities, the presence of Chinese military naval units and military contingents in this quadrant. This is similar to what Russia did with Cuba. What we have here is a new Cold War going hot. China will be able to intercept all kinds of regional communications with clear economic and strategic impacts. It will be able to gain the potential to maintain permanent monitoring of maritime transit, possibly taxation. There is also a, the Reem naval base in Cambodia, where China has an important projection in the South Asian region. A high level of autonomy, both in the base and its surroundings, they say, will point to a new China controlling a new world order. On top of these bases, there's the Chinese space, uh, space station in central Argentina. The U.S. Army General Laura J. Richardson, commander of the U.S. Southern Command, expressed new suspicion over these moves. What are they up to, is the quote. They don't have the same concerns that we do in terms of freedom in a free, secure, and prosperous Western Hemisphere. They are facilities of an authoritarian government. We have a little bit of pot calling kettle black. It's easy to see people who aren't like you and say that they're what they want to do for their greed and selfishness is bad, but what you want to do for your greed and selfishness is good. But that's exactly what we have happening. Israel is in the move to deploy the most advanced battle tanks that they have for field tests in a war readiness uh, campaign for Iran. Now here is a question on natural remedies that I have for you. When medicine and remedies are in short supply, when the shelves are empty, my question to you that I want you to leave in a uh, comment about is what do you use to treat yourself in any way that you can? 
what can you do? Well, if you're like me, you look to natural remedies. In our monthly mail-outs of survival cards to our Patreon members, we include well-known remedies, things that can help people with data from government, university, and trusted sources. We always include that information so that people can see that these are real doctors working for real universities, real long-time physicians showing this information. Everything that was old, of course, will be new again. I want you to look at this information brought to the public as new data, with researchers surprised to have found that honey improves key measures of cardiometabolic health. Now, sure, you get some worse and some better qualities of honey, like manuka honey, but honey is honey, and it will help. According to a new study from researchers at the University of Toronto, consuming raw honey from a single floral source has significant benefits for cardiometabolic health. Now, a systematic, uh, systematic review, a meta-analysis of the clinical trials allowed researchers to find that honey consumption is associated with lowering fasting blood glucose, the total or LDL cholesterol, lowering triglycerides, and markers of fatty liver disease. That's both alcoholic and non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. Honey consumption was linked to higher levels of good cholesterol, as well as markers of improving inflation. This is Tasi Khan, a senior researcher on the study, uh, on the study at the university, says that these results are surprising. Now remember when I said everything old is new again, because these results were likely not surprising to you because you have researched the benefits of honey. You understand well that our ancestors, the family that we had before us, knew exactly what to look for in the environment. If they didn't know, they had a village leader who had a uh, very good and keen understanding of herbalism. So they said this was very surprising because honey is 80% sugar. But honey is also a complex composition of common and rare sugars, of proteins, of organic acids, and other bioactive compounds that have very uh, likely health benefits. The researchers include eight, included 18 controlled trials over 1,000 participants. They assessed the quality of those using a grade system that found low certainty of evidence in certain studies, but that honey consistently produced beneficial effects depending on the processing, the floral source, and the quantity. The median daily dose of honey, write this down for your notes, in the trials was 40 grams or two tablespoons. So when you think about that, that's not a lot. Overconsumption of honey, just like overconsumption of water, can be bad for you. But just two tablespoons was shown to have peak benefits. The median length of the trials were eight weeks. Raw honey drove many of the major benefits in the studies, as did honey from monofloral sources, such as Robinia, also marketed as acacia honey, a honey from false acacia, and those from black locust trees, as well as honeys from clover and those common in North America. Now, Khan said that while processed honey clearly loses some of its benefits through pasteurization, typically 65 degrees Celsius is the pasteurization process, the effect of a hot drink on raw honey depends on several factors. They basically come out to say, what you do is need to take some honey in. If you can get it raw, the rawer the better. Now, you need to note that anybody under one year, uh, one years old, so infants, People with severely compromised immune problems should not take honey. 
He also noted that there are other ways to consume untreated honey, such as with yogurt as a spread or in salad dressing. My wife, Kelly, makes a great honey mustard dressing that we use, and that's a great way that we get our uh, honey in. Would you say that we take, uh, I wouldn't even say we take two tablespoons a day when we have the dressing, would you? So if that's the only source of honey that we were getting, we would need to increase it. Future study, they say, should focus on unprocessed honey only. Their goal would be to uh, allow higher quality evidence of better understandings. But don't forget, as soon as they show you something is good for you, a chemical pharmaceutical company is going to come along and patent that compound. I want to get to a couple of viewer questions. The first one is from George Cullen. Question, Brad, the Iron Curtain. Seems that the term, the Iron Curtain, now applies as much as ever before. George says, in my honest opinion, you would be doing your audience a real solid to continue the use of this term to describe the airspace with, uh, within Russia and its holdings, within China, North Korea, and their holdings, plus in all evil. So yeah, I, I agree that the Iron Curtain is a term that needs to be reintroduced to our vocabulary. Jimmy Bailey says, question, in the event of a full-scale war with Russia or China or both, do you expect the initial drafted group of males to be legally changed from 18 to 26 to 18 to 40 due to the majority of Americans between the ages of 18 to 26 not being fit for combat? No, I don't see that as the reason. I do believe that they will change it, but it's because they're going to need the manpower, not because of the fitness. Remember, at the end of the day, and this Russian conflict has shown us war is about throwing bodies at your enemy. Now, sure, you want your bodies to be well fit. You want them to be well kitted out. You want them to have some uh, training and knowledge. But if you just throw bodies at your enemy, you're going to uh, come to a degree of success. And that's what the draft will show. It's what it has shown in Russia. I would say that they would change that draft up to mid-50s, uh, excuse me, mid-40s, maybe even the low-50s with some combat or tactical experience. Just get ready. That call might be to your phone someday soon. And lastly, Sam Carden. Question, if I run water through my drip coffee heater, will it purify it as far as the pathogens? My answer, to a small degree, but it's not hot enough for long enough to make sure that no pathogens remain. Of course, they've even shown that leaving honey, or excuse me, leaving water in a bucket, just leaving it in a bucket for 24 hours reduces the amount of bacteria and pathogens inside of it. However, it's not enough. And especially in our very sterilized Western culture, we need to make sure that we filter or boil because the amount of people that will get sick and possibly lose their lives to waterborne disease between us having the iron uh, pot stomachs of the uh, those in India or those in Mexico or other areas of South America, those of the Africans, is greatly different. So many people will lose their lives between our fragile stomachs and what theirs can handle. So make sure that you have ways to filter your water, boil it if necessary, get it from a good source if nothing else. From my family to yours, please stay safe and keep watch. This week's Full Spectrum News is brought to us by you. Do the most important thing here. By all of our members on Patreon. That is you. You are our members. Please check out contingencymedical.com if you're looking for antibiotics from real doctors. 
use the code FSS10 if you're looking to get a uh, discount there. NutrientSurvival.com forward slash FSS has real long-term food storage for real preppers. So when you're like me and you're done shilling for rice, done shilling for big sugar, you've sugar shilled out, you can go and get some long-term food storage if that's what you're interested in. They work hard to keep the nutrients involved, and if you use the code FSS15, you'll get 15% off there. Most of all, everyone, show love to the people that need you. Be a caring heart to the people that need you. Don't be hardened apart. Just have a good shield, have a good front door locked in place. Stay safe.